You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk, talk about it. About it. <laughs> Thanks uh, so much again for listening, everyone. Once again, five stars in a review. You guys are doing a pretty good job of doing it. Last week, you actually listened to me and you gave it five stars in a review. Uh, and. I read some of them. They were very good. There was one that said uh, that the show was sexist. That that hurt my feelings. But I still got um, three stars from that person. So yeah. uh, if you're listening and you think the show is sexist... Um, I feel like I'm they not, said that just because Matt uses the word titties on occasion. That's what, exactly what I said. I said, is it because I, I say The Sopranos is a show about titties and meat? Because... It is a show. Uh, if I said breasts and meat, would it be better? I just like I, I was just racking my brain thinking about it, and then I was like, maybe it's because I I promoted it on uh you know a different show with a different audience, and I think we can be jarring for people who aren't used to you know how we keep it real. Vince, sure, you know what I mean? yeah, no, they don't really realize that when you say titties. You're just being sex positive, and I'm being sex positive. The, the titties is—it's almost the medical name for them, mm -hmm. you know. Teats, right? So, so TTs is like double that, mm -hmm. and, and then titties. All right. Point is, <laughs> is uh, uh, apologies all around to the one person who said that it was sexist, but gave us three stars anyways. Um, but uh, to everyone else who gave us five stars in review, we thank you so much. Um, we're very excited to uh, have some new $8 patrons as well on the uh, Pod Yourself a Shoutout tier. And finally, one more announcement before we get going. Um, next week, we are going to do something special. We're going to do a mailbag episode of Pod Yourself a Gun. You know, all the times we tell you to leave a voicemail and, and email us and whatnot, um, well, we realize that we're very far behind in answering those, listening to those, reading those on the podcast. So we figured, you know, we would just go for it. Just have a whole episode just 
to talk to you, the fans out there, the listeners who have questions or have comments that they want read, you know, on uh, on the episode. So, so yeah, we're going to do that um, next week. And uh, it's going to be a, a two-parter. One's going to go on the regular feed and one is going to go for the patrons specifically. And it'll be great. Won't it, Vince? Yeah, I wish you'd do this at the end of the show, but yeah, you insist on doing it before we get to the content. But sure, My th- because I get want all you know, of the boring stuff out of the way at the beginning when the new people just start listening. That's great podcasting. I feel like people know how to do the skip fifteen seconds button. I mean, yeah. come on! I don't want like, to turn into Mark Marin where it's like every every week you're like, well, how many minutes do I have to skip this week? Uh, you is know, it seven? Is it ten? Maybe most- it's thirteen and a half. Okay, but most podcasts, most real podcasts, have like 20 minutes of someone talking about Sherry's Berries. Sure, all right? that's true. We or, don't do that here. Or Best Fiends. Uh, or Best Fiends. Don't ever know? check out Best Fiends. They must have just an incredible advertising buz- budget for that, sh- that game that no one, Unbelievable advertising. No, no one, one on I Earth don't know has anyone ever who played it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Even if you do play it, you don't talk about the phone games that you're playing with your friends. It's such a weird thing. I mean... Anyways, don't download Best Fiends, but do become an $8 patron, patreon.com slash broadcast, pod yourself a shout out tier, and also we're doing a mailbag episode, and it's going to be great. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, our guest this week to uh, to talk about uh, season four, episode 11, calling our cars, calling all cars, uh, you have seen him on the Dangerous World of Comedy on Netflix. He's a good friend of ours. Ladies and gentlemen, please... A huge round of applause for Johan Miranda. Hey. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, excited to talk about this particular episode. It's a short episode, 45 minutes or something. I like it when they keep it short. short yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I agree yeah. With that. No, it's definitely, uh, it is definitely one of the, it's, is it the shortest episode of Sopranos out there? I think it might be. Um, but it's also, uh, yeah, it really proves that any show longer than 30 minutes is just trying to do art. And I feel like, you know, what's the point of that? You could, you could wrap up any good show in 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think 40, 41, that's a good length for a show to be. Yeah. Yeah. 41 is fine too, but let's be honest. 30 minutes one, you can get it all. Just knock it all out. You know, you don't need like 15 minutes of fucking Tony just looking at a painting. I get it. He's sad. (laughs) You know, you yeah. don't need all that shit. Um, but Johan, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, so, are you a fan of The Sopranos? Yeah, I'm, an, I'm a fan. I'm a, a, a new fan. I, I actually started watching. I first watched the series uh, during the uh, the second lockdown in L.A., which was yeah. December and January. Yeah. Uh, so that so you knocked it all out <laughs> in what like two months? Yeah, I, I was having a hard time with the second lockdown. It was really like so mentally tough on me so i i I was like this i'm gonna use this this is the time to pull this uh use the use the sopranos and yeah for those two months i was just like mentally in in northern new jersey just dissociated (laughs) (laughs) your body was in southern california but your mind was in the pine barrens looking for the rush out in front of satrials having an espresso Uh, (laughs) sad as shit (laughs) saying hi to your commendatory yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, that's uh, that seems to be a, a running theme of people who kind of like used 
the uh, lockdown as a, as a way to like catch up with all of the uh, the best shows that ever mm-hmm. existed. And I'm glad you chose the uh, the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, th- have you finished it? I finished it. Yeah, yeah. Oh hell yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Good because we're gonna spoil everything. <laughs> No, no, no spoilers on this show, except for we do spoilers sometimes. Um, but if you're listening to this and it's your first time, don't worry about it. We don't really spoil anything. We, we keep nah. it light. Yeah, no, nah, we don't fucking do it. Also, lighten um, up. Well, you might hear a plot point uh, a few episodes ahead of time. Who cares? You're going to watch yeah, it anyway. It doesn't matter if you know that. It's still going to be fun to watch. Well, this show had the most spoiled ending of all time. I mean, I knew about yeah. the end. And it's like it was because it was like a whole month of people. <laughs> yeah, of of people just of the, yeah being fucking pissed. I was super pissed off at the ending. I I fucking uh, I I remember like literally just googling um, HBO and trying to find the numbers <laughs> of people who worked there. Wow! And I left yeah. I left messages on people's answering machines you like were, that was a bullshit ending. Whose like, I, <laughs> manager can you speak to? I know, I went full Karen. <laughs> Yeah. I was full caring about the ending. And it's not really that it matters. It's the whole thing about spoilers. Like a lot of time people act like everything is a fucking M Night Shyamalan movie. Like no. it, spoilers don't an, even matter. You're an in adult. The movies. It's not like a fucking Jack in the it's not like a fucking it's not a I don't know what it is. It's not a it's <laughs> not a thing that can be spoiled. Like if you hear about a plot point, it's fine. Yeah. Like you're yeah. That's not the whole. That's not the point of the show. Like the point is, especially yeah. with mob stories, it's like it's they're gonna die or go to jail. What do you think is gonna? Happen? Yeah, right. It's like <laughs> imagine being in the mafia and worrying about spoilers. So you know, there's only three ways this ends up: jails, institutions, well, and as, death. As John Travolta, as John Gotti in the movie Gotti put it, uh, <laughs> you know, guys like me, we either end up dead or in jail. Me, I done both. I did both of them. <laughs> I'm from the mafia. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> greatest, greatest bad movie. That's like if everybody who listens to this podcast should go watch the movie Gotti because it's like if one of the characters in The Sopranos tried to make a mob movie. I'm mm-hmm. convinced it's like worse than if Christopher got his movie about uh, I Must Be Loyal to My Capo. Like if he actually got that <laughs> yeah. produced and made, it would be better than uh, the movie Gotti. Yeah, no, I mean, it really was. As I was watching it, I was just thinking to myself, this is E from Entourage uh, writing Cleaver. And, <laughs> and but they actually did make it into a movie. So it's uh, it's pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, good for him for, yeah. for making such it's a good. wonderful film. It's nice when one of the pussy posse succeeds, I always say. I love it when that pussy posse succeeds, dude. It's Who's the least... Uh, Who's gotten the, the least, least pussy objectionable? Up? Well, I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I would say Ethan Supley because he's, you know, he's a bigger I guy. But I is. feel like he fucks more than uh, E from Entourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know everyone in the Pussy Posse. I don't either. More of a bigger Blaine guy myself. Which <laughs> guy? The, the, the magician. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is he in the Pussy been, Posse too? I thought he was. Yeah, I, I love... I, I would right. love it if David, if they, if they it was like Leonardo DiCaprio, E from Entourage, and David Blaine hanging out. David Blaine would magically get all the pussy. Uh, I could, I could very much see that. But this is not a podcast about the pussy posse. Although that's a good idea. Let's save that one for later. Yeah, t- table that. Let's table pussy posse podcast. 
<laughs> and for now, continue doing this podcast, which is Pod Yourself a Gun. And before we get started, we must first play the theme song. Pod. 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else, this is Pod Yourself a Gun. And this episode we are talking about is from season four of The Sopranos, episode 11 Calling All Cars. Now, this episode premiered November 24th, 2002. And Vince, could you break us off a little piece of that synopsis? Oh, I sure can. As Good. soon as I scroll down to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Tony's dreams seem to tell him where his life is headed, but he still feels as though he's out of control. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that is that's that is some of what happens. Mm. Um, but Vince, what was going on at the time that this episode came out? Oh, I think what you're saying, Matt, is that uh, you know before mm-hmm. we talk about any art, we should talk about the cultural context in which it was created. Uh, Yeesh. I, that is what you're saying, right? Just, yes, that's yeah, just, always been just, what I've said. <laughs> just checking. Uh, and for that, we have the uh, Remember When machine. Remember When is the lowest form of conversation. That's right. Uh, we're going all the way back 20 years ish right i don't know uh november 24th a while ago yeah november 24th 2002 uh is the year uh this episode the day that this episode came out um Mm -hmm. that was uh it was actually the week that michael jackson uh famously dangled his child blanket over uh the edge of the balcony good week dude that was an amazing week that is. I feel like uh, yes. you know he got a lot of shit for endangering his child, but it's like it's not like he dropped the kid. He probably wasn't going to drop the kid. I feel like he didn't get enough shit for naming his his son blanket. Yeah, it was actually a smart thing to do. It was a way to get us to forget that the kid's name was blanket. That, yeah. yeah, that did way more damage. The name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, you know, we just we just skipped over blanket and went straight to why did you dangle your kid off? of the roof at the same time though like hey you didn't drop it You're his right. name actually isn't like his real name isn't blanket it's like prince michael or some shit but uh oh, but his like he, he called him blanket that was his nickname and it's uh it really fucking why i well i think it's just like it goes to show you that the uh, michael jackson had like the mind of a very small child where like uh you know it's just like calling your nicknaming your dog uh, doghouse or uh or you know mm. it's like he sees the kid and it's wrapped in a blanket so he named it blanket it's a really easy nickname i guess no i get it but i mean it's just like you know why did eh, i don't know i guess i don't get it but <laughs> you, my you know, child that's... blanket crib yeah, yeah. and diaper <laughs> Yeah, and this is my bl- my child trash can and uh, blender. I don't know why he's just, blending. He's child. just seeing inanimate objects in the house and using it to name <laughs> yeah. things after. Oh, 
Why name the kid at all? Um, you know? So uh, yeah, so I, I, these I used to I try to pick stories where like you know a few are relevant to today and a few mm-hmm. are uh, anachronisms of the time. I think the sure. Michael Jackson story is a very good example of that. Um, the headline in the New York Post is, uh, and this has got to be like Pulitzer worthy uh, New York Post headline writing: mm. Smacko Jacko knows no shame, and. <laughs> And nose is like like you're the nose on your face, not like no, yeah, yeah, I figure. Okay, yeah. Um, and this is the article. Can someone? Smacko. <laughs> Why smacko? Well, wait till you get to the lead because it's even better. Oh. Can someone explain why that nose dropping, shape shifting, child abusing wacko hasn't gotten good and smackoed? Oh, that's why Smacko. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Not a week yeah. after Michael Jackson made his all projectile vomit when his nose flew off in court, we're er, faced with his blatant, flagrant, mocking display of child abuse. This is so crazy. I forgot like newspapers around that. Like maybe it's just the New York Post, but this is like proto blogging where they're just like, this is Perez Hilton if if he was in print. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like that didn't come from nowhere. Uh, oh yeah. First, he dangled the baby off a balcony. Then the next day, he made his other kids go out looking as freakish as their dad with veils on their faces like they're in Taliban for tots. What the fuck, dude? So, like, But we got proto-mask uh, shaming. That was the first example. And like, they, I love that they just couldn't help, but they had to find a way to sneak in some Islamophobia into mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Just be like, yeah, they got towels on their heads, just like the people America's fighting. Just fucking why? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're still in the very long, drawn out uh, lead up to the Iraq war. I think it's about yeah. to happen. It had to happen. I mean, God damn. It's, They're it, taking their goddamn time. This entire man. Fuck. this entire s- s- season has been the build up to the Iraq War, and uh, whoo. Um, so on that note, we have um, a headline about Bush welcome, welcoming new states to NATO. Um, President mm-hmm. Bush speaking in Bucharest welcomed Romanians into the NATO alliance and the campaign against terrorism. He's, Hell yeah, Romanians <laughs> finally in NATO. <laughs> about time. We need all that Romanian yeah. uh, strength that they provide. They, we can use uh, their gypsy tears for uh, <laughs> make a smart bomb. So, so this, this is when the U.S. is still like building the, the great coalition. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're getting all our homies together. Gambia, Namibia, fucking Romania. Uh, you know, Herzegovina, just all the homies, <laughs> all my homies hate Iraq. <laughs> he said their experience under communism equipped them to understand the dangers posed by Saddam Hussein. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you value freedom because you have lived without it. You know the difference between good and evil because you've seen the face of evil. Uh, the people of Romania know that dictators must never be appeased or ignored. They must be opposed. Uh, before These are all things that Bush said in the speech. Before a much smaller crowd in City Hall Square in Vilnius, uh, which is in uh, Lithuania, Mr. Bush, mm. which is also part of NATO now, Mr. Bush compared the threat from today's terrorists to the Nazis and communists who controlled much of Europe for parts of the 20th century. Like the Nazis and the communists, Mr. Bush said, the terrorists seek to end lives and control all life. Uh, Mr. Bush told the Lithuanians that we must be willing to stand in the face of evil to have courage to always face danger. 
Yeah, dude, stand right in Evil's face and say, "Hey, Evil, your your face is ugly, hey, and your evil. nose is flying off in court. You're fired. Now <laughs> hey, give evil. us your oil." <laughs> <laughs> um, oh fuck, man, we really. It, that, you know, it felt so much faster as yeah, it was happening. It, it, yeah, it's you're, there's still a year left till the Iraq war starts. I right? know it's taking fucking forever. Every week we do this podcast and every week I was like, still, they're doing this still. It <laughs> took so you'd figure that that would be a sign that maybe this uh, war is not going to go well when every major country is just like, nah, I don't know, dude. Yeah. This uh, seems like a bad idea, bro. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, except my, my for favorite, like, yeah. My, my favorite early 2000s memory of this whole time is uh, the the MTV Real, Real World season that happened around this time. Uh, oh, yeah. It's when, when Bush, I think, was first, I think when they first started ascending, like, uh, attacking uh, Iraq, and Bush gave the whole speech about how, why we need to be in Iraq. And then they did the confessionals with every cast member, like what they, <laughs> what their thoughts are. Each of, them, <laughs> each of them, one by one, were like, look, I don't like war, but I understand we have to defend our freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> look, one by one. I don't, under, I don't know anything I mean, about war. Mostly I just yeah. hook up with my roommates in the hot tub. But mm-hmm. uh, if I know anything, it's that we can't let the smoking gun be a mushroom cloud. Uh, absolutely and absolutely if the glove don't fit you must acquit freedom isn't free uh do you remember just what all, season that was johan I don't, I don't know i don't remember which i just i don't remember yeah what year what see or where they were but i mean i don't know i just people I think forget it was, it was kabul <laughs> they had already done a real world <laughs> afghanistan and they're like i think we're ready for another war i was an intern yeah. on the real world san diego i'm trying to remember if that was the one uh yeah Man, I, uh, uh, that to me is a whole other podcast too, where we, you just rewatch the real world season when we're going to Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> Current events through the lens of real world. That'd be a good documentary. So yeah, that we'll table that one also. Um, yeah. in, in the meantime, we got other foreshadowing of future events. This was 2002, uh, at least, you know, five and a half to six years before the uh, financial meltdown. Uh, but already there were signs. Uh, This is from the New York Times. Easy credit and hard times bring foreclosures. Uh, 68% of all American families own homes, the most ever, and a sizable increase. But in another another aftershock of the binging 1990s, merchants of the dream have become its morticians. More mortgages than ever are being foreclosed and more homes repossessed. Ah, big deal. What's the worst that could happen, Vince? Yeah, well, I don't know. Michael Jackson could... Drop his baby on the concrete on accident. That'd be pretty bad, right? <laughs> no, that would suck, dude. No more blanket. Yeah. <laughs> so quick, someone get a blanket to cover the, bl- the body of blanket. <laughs> I would love to see the New York he- Post headline on that. Like, yeah, yeah, wet blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to be a wet blanket, but Michael Wacko Jacko went smacko all over the side. Wacko. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, something like that. Um, some of the books, uh, I forgot to look up the, uh, you know, the bestseller list when I usually do this, but, uh, some yeah. of the, some of the books on the bestseller th- list this week were journals, uh, by Kurt Cobain. Um, oh, fuck. I forgot about, I, I actually, I think I got that as like a birthday present and I remember <laughs> opening it up and being like this, wait, 
I like this person. Why am I reading his diary? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It just felt so voyeuristic. And I was like, this is maybe, maybe she did kill him. Like I was like, (laughs) Courtney could have killed him. I mean, to do this. Come on, man. Uh, I mean, and, and and they were surprised when you started doing heroin after they bought you that as I a know. birthday present. Uh, that was the beginning. Number two of nonfiction was Leadership by Rudolph Giuliani with Ken Kersen. Love uh, it. Not even a oh, year. Yeah. I mean, barely a year after 9-11. He's already uh, written yep. a book about how he did a good job during it. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Uh, you know, Cuomo. The, yeah. The, the OG. The yeah. OG, he, dude. The, he laid out the blueprint, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <You> come, <laughs> An endeared Italian yeah. leader. Yeah. Released the book. <laughs> yeah. Just happened to be in office when yeah. a lot of people in New York die and then write yeah. a book about how, hey, I didn't die. And then yeah. fucking people will think you're doing leadership. It's great. I was strong in the face of all the people dying. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's some fiction ones, but I don't really care. It's like the lovely bones. There's a Danielle Steele on there. There's a Janet mm. Ivanovich. Um, movies. Top movies were Die Another Day, new James Bond mm. movie, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and mm-hmm. uh, Friday After Next, which nice. I believe they had a scene of Ice Cube writing in uh, Straight Outta Compton. That was my favorite part. Where they Wait, to- <laughs> was that him writing Friday After Next? No, he was, was writing Friday. Was, yeah, and he said, bye, Felicia, and it was, uh, it was, it yeah. was exciting to, for everybody. Everybody likes his callbacks. Everyone loves it. Uh, songs same as last week. Lose yourself, Eminem. You know you're right by Nirvana, and uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's been the Remember When machine. All right, so that is the cultural context for what was happening while this episode was airing. Um, we got a little bit of synopsis there from IMDb. Uh, I have a bot of B stories, but uh, I, I here's the thing. I feel after last week, um, I did such uh, a powerful bot of B stories that um i that i didn't have time to do a good one this week so uh apologies up front to everyone who's like oh i wonder what's next um th- nothing nothing good this is uh this is an old school bada b stories uh real quick here are the bada b stories bobby buries a cake up tony has a dream before he wakes up aj likes to break stuff Vic the appraisal appraiser gets shaked up. Janice scares the kids with a fake up account uh, and Melfi and Tony break up. All right. That's, you know, that's how it used to be, Vince. That's how I used to do all of them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They used to just rhyme. I didn't used to put so much fucking effort into this goddamn podcast and shit was easier back then. It was yeah. more fun. Um, But yeah, general thoughts on this episode, Vince. Oh, you're asking what do me. What you think? And not yeah. our guest. Oh well, yeah. I guess I should get general thoughts on the episode, uh, Johan. What would you what'd you think? Uh, I think the the one who gets the the, the character that does the most impact is for me is Janice. Jesus oh, yes. Christ! Like still, yes. oh my God! I mean, we'll get into it, but <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is a Janice episode for sure. This yeah. is my, like yeah. My general thought was that it's kind of a bad episode, except for the Janice storyline, which is really good, and so yeah. it's uh yeah. I wouldn't consider it a bad episode. I thought it was a, to me, it is that perfectly good kind of like standard Sopranos episode where you get a lot of Tony kind of like, um, you get into the nuts and bolts of the mafia, like, uh, not just the scam, but like the, 
I don't know the the drama between the crews, you know, between the New York family and the petty grievances. Yeah. You know, this is Tony's basically dealing with like uh, some workplace drama in the midst of also dealing with his uh, home life vis a vis Melfi getting all fucked up you know uh and and so it's like to me it's like you've got a little bit of everything it's a sampler platter of sopranos sure. in this episode you got a little bit of you got a like a strong melfi storyline you got a strong Oof, I don't know if this I is what the mafia strong. does <laughs> yeah. i thought this was good this was my favorite uh melfi Oof. uh, uh be, and i i say that because this is the first time it felt like even the writers of the sopranos were like this premise is stale. Right. We yeah. we should we should get the fuck out of this. Uh, you know, because uh, this is the episode in which Tony and Melfi break up. Now this isn't their first breakup. They you know they've had blow ups before, but this is the first one that's born sheerly out of like uh, exhaustion for the format of the show. Yeah, and I I appreciate that a lot. Speaking um, of yeah, the Iraq war 10 years in, like, what are we doing? Like, yeah, ex- yeah. exactly. They needed we to painted have a, ourselves into a corner and uh, we needed, we a, no we needed a therapy strategy. surge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think no. I, I think yeah. the reason that I mean, to, to me, it's like sports, you know, there's teams that have a rebuilding year after all their stars retire or whatever. I mean, this was this is coming on the heels of two or three really like eventful episodes where we're like we lose big characters and and big things happen and now they're kind of uh they're kind of having to start new storylines in this one a little bit Mm -hmm. and um i don't know i just feel like a lot of most sopranos episodes really like when characters are doing something it feels like oh that's perfect that's exactly what that person would do whereas like in this episode other than the janna storyline which is great it feels a lot like it's more just like the writers kind of being like, well, we need to give them something to do for these next uh, few episodes. Like it don't, they, they don't necessarily feel like strictly uh, character driven decisions, I guess. True. It's, it, it's kind of, it's interesting because the Sopranos does kind of, um, I would say toe the line between uh, a drama and a sitcom and the, the show veers so much into sitcom territory so often in terms of like uh, like decisions being 100% like character driven and then putting the you know characters into awful situations like to me that's the difference between like a, a drama and a sitcom is like it's like the sitcom is really like a super defined character super uh mm-hmm. I, I guess like their idiosyncrasies completely dictate Samantha where the story is goes. the slut uh what's her face is the lawyer yeah yeah miranda by the way i mean what's her face come on (laughs) you don't know sex in the city (laughs) it's the greatest sitcom of all time but um yeah so this this episode you don't get much in terms of i guess like the kind of character driven storylines um outside of uh janice although i will say tony in this episode i think does break up with Melfi because Svetlana like totally took his balls from him, mm-hmm. which I love. Yeah. But uh, let's start uh, with, let's start with the, the, our favorite storyline, Bobby and Janice. Uh, so we start out with, you see Bobby 
um i guess he's at uh his daughter's soccer game or something like that yeah um and I think uh, it was softball but yeah maybe or softball yeah some sports game yeah and sports, uh, they're playing sports ball they're playing sports ball i don't like sports am i interesting <laughs> um <laughs> um so he's at the softball game and his daughter goes into uh their car and sees there is a cake uh sitting there and um and i i think it says what does it say happy anniversary babe or something like uh i miss you dead wife or mm. uh uh bro i'm so sad right now this sucks <laughs> um i don't remember and, but yeah something yeah, yeah something sweet yeah this is something nice and uh and then next you see bobby at karen's grave uh talking to her burying a cake which <laughs> yeah is it, i gotta say is the funniest thing for a 300 pound man to do i feel like it was a missed opportunity visually of just showing him digging yeah <laughs> right <laughs> You yeah, want to see him sweating and yeah. like pr profusely sweating while he's like, you know, taking a, a, a gardening hoe or whatever to fucking <laughs> to bury a whole see, ass cake. I mean, they took like a overused trope, which is whenever characters talk to their loved ones at the gravesite. I don't know anyone who does this, by the way. Like, this is a weird. I'm sure thing. someone does it. Maybe I've seen it, in, but I've seen it a hundred times in movies and never once in real life. So I kind of feel yeah. like it's a little bit overused. Well, how much time but are you spending at fucking, you know, at gravesites, dude? Yeah, exactly. That's my yeah. whole point. But, uh, but yeah, they took it and they made it interesting. Cause they're like, well, what if he buried a cake under the ground, like a fucking psychopath? Um, yeah. Also, wouldn't yeah. there be like a groundskeeper being like, "Hey, why you dig yeah. up on my grass?" Uh, hey, yeah. I, hey, what do you do? I told you once. I told you again. No more berry at the cake. <laughs> yeah. I just put a new soda last week. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a strange thing to do, but it's like you know, it, it's also um, I don't know. It fits very much into Bobby's character to be someone who, because he's incredibly sad and he's an incredibly sweet person, and motherfucker loves cake and really like, like melodramatic in kind of an obnoxious way like he tries to relate to other people and they appreciate how sweet he is but they're also yeah. like all right man give it a fucking yeah. rest would you <laughs> yeah there's a level of sadness that that he uh, projects in this uh period that i can imagine that you don't have to be a sociopath like janice soprano to find a little bit like eh, it's getting kind of old dude yeah. you know like, <laughs> yeah but then again, his wife fair, what's the what's the I mean, not to get ahead in the story. What's the baked uh, Z? What is it? ZD? Yeah, Karen. Yeah, ZD. Karen ZD. Her yeah. last ZD. That's the one thing I wondered is like it, it, it was in the fr uh, fridge for what? For how long was it in the fridge? Because I looked it up. It, 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 I said I looked up frozen ZD, how long it could like stay good. It's two yeah. months. Oh, wow. Okay. Two months. So I don't know, like, if, if that's the case, this guy's I don't, I don't know. To <laughs> defend Bobby here. Yeah. 14 years of marriage, two months. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's let, let, I, let him bury his cake. Yeah. Let him bury his cake. Let him grieve a bit. Sometimes and, you want to uh, have your cake and bury it too, you know? Like, you gotta, <laughs> hey, uh, it's just a weird, that's a weird, it's a weird grief move, but I guess, all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm okay with it. I, I, I feel like it, it adds a lot to uh, Bobby's character and it falls in line with who he is. Of course, Janice is yeah. um completely distraught by this whole thing because her her thinking is she's dead 
uh-huh. I'm trying to smash yeah. and fucking, you know, get into this mafia life well, without we having to we haven't do anything. Like, this is the first time we hear that they're not actually having sex, you know, like they're, yeah. she she's has a conversation with Carm uh, that, uh, you know, that we learn that they're still platonic. They're, she says, I'm stuck at platonic, which was a surprise yeah. to me. I thought they'd already been fucking. Yeah, no, I mean, they're stuck at platonic and she's doing everything she can to fucking uh get him uh interested in in that good good but like she you know uh she, the only way she knows how to do it is by being the weirdest most fucking manipulative psychopath that she can be um and so our first our first taste of janice in this episode is fantastic she uh she gets takeout from Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> which she thinks is like a really uh, nice thing to do. Like, oh this is, yeah, sides were thirty dollars alone. Come on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I I have a clip of that whole scene. I saw on CMEC that Outback's profitability is. Excuse me. Sydney, it's a sin to waste good food. The kids are fed. Thank you. Bobby, what did you do with the cake today? Cake? Your daughter says you saw it in the back of your car. She told me about it when I picked her up from practice. One thing I noticed this episode, I don't know if this is always true for her, but uh, Janice's consonants are like mushier than ever. And uh, mm. like she kind of sounds like uh, what, what an opiate addict sounds like. Like, I mean... Mm. East Coast is a little, they got the mushy consonants in general going on, but like, yeah, this especially it reminded me when Christopher was like, I didn't, I uh, didn't, when he was yeah. getting accused of, uh, I didn't up. notice, I didn't notice that at all, but you are also very sensitive to mouth sounds. I am, yeah. Yes. Took it to Karen's grave, I buried it. Today was our anniversary. I wish you would have told me about it before I picked up the steaks from Outback. The sides alone were over $30. (laughs) Believe me, Bobby, I know. I lost both my parents. It's very easy for people to give facile advice. Suck it up, move on, etc. I'm not going to tell you that. Grieving is a process. Sometimes courage isn't a value. Outback Steakhouse. No rules, just right. Yeah. yeah, I feel, feel like that's like the the classic obnoxious person move is that they try to commiserate with whatever you're feeling by bringing up something mm-hmm. that happened to them that's not even close to the same thing. Well, she literally just tried to bring it up by saying, uh, you know, I know what you're going through. Both of my parents died, which is like, oh, that's very different. <laughs> yeah. Like that that last line, she's, I don't know if you know, like, the last line she says, courage is not always a virtue. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, she Perfect. says right after that. Yeah, it's good you know. that you're not being a man right now. I like no, it. I yeah, think that's what no. you should do is to be. Yeah, sometimes, you know, being a little pussy ass bitch yeah. is healthy for the grieving process. I love like, it that you're not fucking me. Like that when your dick doesn't get hard, uh, it's exactly <laughs> what you should be doing right now. And you should not listen yeah. to anyone else who says yeah. that you're less than a man, that you are <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. boy with a little baby dick. Yeah, who 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 am I to tell you that you're being a bitch? It's just so she's so amazing at backhandedness. Yeah, uh, and and I, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. What I was wondering is, did you? I did she order the Outback Steakhouse knowing it was the anniversary? 
Uh, <laughs> oh, that's shit. a good question. That's a great. That's a great that's, question. I'm, I'm like so convinced. Like she's like the most manipulative. I could see it. <laughs> yes, uh, I, t- or, I could the totally other see. The other is she just did it for no what for what reason? Because she's a good person. I don't know. Yeah, because no, she wanted yeah. a blooming onion, and she probably used Bobby's <laughs> money to buy it. That's what I would think. Yeah, and then yeah, she wanted. I, she I, was like, she saw an Outback commercial, and she thought, "Thought, fuck, that looks good. I'm gonna go buy it with Bobby's money, and then I'm gonna come back home and act like I am Saint, um, like Mother Teresa, for bringing home yeah, the steak that I yeah. wanted from TV." Yeah, but I mean, seeing her like, I think she because she starts out the scene randomly. Honey, I saying, just decided I wanted Australian food tonight. Who else? <laughs> who else was in the mood for Australian? <laughs> I mean, she said she saw something on CNBC about about Outback's profitability, which is also, I think, an entirely uh, like it's it's entirely plausible explanation for her being hungry for Outback was that she (laughs) saw them. You know, she's random. She's high as shit watching (laughs) some random shit on TV. Someone talks about Outback's profitability and she's just like, oh, Bloomin' Onion would be so good right now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible. But I do like the I do like the idea that she knew it was the anniversary, and to her, Outback Steakhouse is like that's a f- very special steak night that she's gonna have with her with her uh, new man. You know. But either hopefully. way, I mean, Outback is all about atmosphere. I mean, have you? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. You know, you don't get takeout from Outback. You fucking you go there and you eat it. Yeah, and they're like when you hear no rules, just yeah. right. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, you no rules, just right. Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. Those are the fucking like ordering like pizza from Chuck E. Cheese. Like you're super <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I got takeout from Dave and Buster's. They have really good yeah. wings. <laughs> exactly, a theme restaurant that you get takeout from <laughs> is maybe the peak trashiest thing you can do. Um, I got, um, I got, I got some food from Dick's Last Resort. They wrote down uh, some disses yeah. that I can use on my family. Um, yeah, exactly. They called me a fat fuck piece of shit. So that was nice. I've never. Have you ever been to that place? Yeah, I have, and it was awful. I don't really? know why people do it. It's I ass- terrible. I assume the roasts have like a you know like a limit on how how mean they would get with it. No, uh, the worst thing is they didn't even roast me. They just seemed bummed to be there, and that was like the bit that she was doing. And I was like, this is too believable. I already feel bad every time I get waited on. Like I don't need someone <laughs> doing a character where they're mad about it because I'm like, is this a character? I'd be mad. <laughs> you know, fucking, that's a shit job. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Dick's last resort is people who work in service. You're all heroes. Um, so later on, uh, we get, um, some insight into what Bobby's kids are going through and just like children, they are mostly scared of ghosts, (laughs) which I think is, I don't know. It's a really charming way to kind of like, uh, to to kind of get into what the kids are feeling, you know, they're clearly, obviously, they're sad about their mom being dead. They're they're sad watching, you know, fucking their dad be depressed went, and miserable. They went extremely well, sitcommy with this one, I'll say. Oh, I loved it. His his daughter mentioned that some kid named Nikki told yeah. her that like her mom's gonna haunt her. Who is this? Yeah. Mom? <laughs> I yeah. know. I, like, who the fuck does that? That's so insane. But you know, it, it's like. You know, maybe that is what kids 
that's the first thing kids talk about after you know uh, someone close to them dies is they're like oh shit are they gonna be a ghost now yeah you don't have like the empathy to be like oh i'm so sorry that happened to you you're gonna you just you immediately move to oh shit dude she's a ghost she's gonna haunt your house forever now yeah yeah that's what ghosts do um (laughs) and it's it's very sweet seeing you know a bobby jr trying his best to like you know be the man of the house because he's he's essentially that's what he is now he's he's the grown-up or the the man of the house great actor uh, because, that kid i will i mean i normally hate child actors but that i know kid's fantastic yeah i i hate child actors as well and and he is very very good at it in i fact, think the only Sopranos fat kids in- should be allowed to be child actors <laughs> yeah that's fair that's yeah. fair there it's because they i don't know what it is it's they just there's there's just something to these kids uh, the, just in the Sopranos, they do great jobs with child actors. Um, yeah, even when he was doing his a- a- racist Asian impression, I was like, "Oh, this kid's adorable." Yeah. Um. So I think I before- think part of the reason that I feel like they probably just um like a lot of Sopranos supporting characters, they just recruited from uh you know like the surrounding area instead of trying to find actual child actors because i think like one of the worst mm. things that a child actor can have is acting experience it's like yes it's, i completely agree it, like wor- that definitely makes them like bad at looking like the a worst kid. thing a child actor can have is a real and an agent uh, because that means that this is something they're trying to do and instead honestly the government should make a program in which kids are just recruited to be child actors so that and you only get one job ever and that's no, it's it. like it's like a mandatory military service like yes, in Korea exactly. or whatever like you have to do two two years as a child actor like you can get drafted at any age between like yeah. four and uh, 16 or whatever and yeah. then after that you can choose to sign up voluntarily and if you're if you a draft want. dodger you have to go to some sort of adorable kids jail <laughs> that that'll be you know that that'll be cute like a like a a, it's like instead of bars it's like plush anyways um (laughs) it's a chucky it's a ball pit with with bars and chains um the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials to participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So um, Janice is uh, goes over to um, Carm's and complains about what's going on with him and Bobby. And uh, Carmela decides, you know, to have Bobby and the kids over uh, for their Sunday dinner. And uh, yeah, I, have is, a, I have a... is Carmela trying to help Janice smash, or what is her what is her purpose here? I I think so. I think that. Carmela because like she's telling Carmela straight up like we we haven't even had sex yet so I think Carmela is less about helping her smash more about like helping Bobby through a hard time that would be my guess I feel like the Um, best way to probably would help Carmela just to have someone to keep Janice like everyone's just like just whatever just keep Janice busy yeah and out of that and I think in general Carmela sees it as a, a a good fit in terms of like you know uh Janice needs to be with somebody sweet who can like stand her. Um, mm. At least that's what Carmela thinks because Carmela doesn't know the then depths. You, but then of... you curse that good person with this f- horrible sociopath. Yeah, it is strange. It is strange. <clears throat> but, you know, Carmela is, uh, you know, she, I don't know if she knows the depths of the, you know, sociopathy of know Janice about the Soprano. Steakhouse and all that. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, they don't she know doesn't, about they don't... doesn't know how much money she spent on sides. That's for sure. Yeah, and the profitability of Outback Steakhouse through the roof. Um, but I have a clip of uh, of Janice and Carm. Well, I'm sure she was as good as gold, but he's developing a psychosis. Her clothes are still in the closet. And yesterday, he bought her a cake for their anniversary, and he buried it at her grave. What? At her- he bought her a cake. Bought her. I the very stuffed up nose this episode. A grave? God forbid that I should say something, because then I would be perceived as a harpy coming between him and his dead, idealized wife. Listen, you. Don't make any plans for Sunday. 
Bacalieri's are coming over. I want you to make those kids feel welcome. Bobby Jr.? That's like 11. I don't ask you to do chore one around here. You can go without seeing Devin and your friends for one night. Yeah, well, we're supposed to study. But I guess you don't care about that. Cut my life into pieces. <laughs> this is my last resort. <laughs> Suffocation. Anyways. I, I love that uh, AJ is wearing the Echo t-shirt in, in this scene. Yes. It, it yes. really took me back. I was like. We're in the early 2000s. Yes. Yeah. I, AJ was just like, oh, he's such a perfect vehicle for who I was at the time. And I'm just like, God, ah, he's cool. He's a cool kid. So, yeah. And, like, yeah. my problem with this episode in general, like, I buy AJ uh, putting Bobby Jr. in the garage because yeah. that's like a that's like a small buildup, uh, great, um, great cruelty prank whereas yeah. like this episode it feels like aj's pulling pranks that require like theatricality and creativity mm-hmm. on the level that i just don't really buy that aj possesses yeah yeah i mean he's burning a I, lot of calories like i don't i don't um well like he's it, being forced he's being forced to play with bobby right you know? and i don't i don't uh like it makes sense that he would be um mean to this kid and constantly trying to to one up him and shit, but um, just the effort and creativity that he puts into playing pranks on this kid doesn't like strike me as like a very AJ thing. Just because you know this is the guy who gets his mom the Matrix on DVD for That's her birthday. Like what is like whatever is like the least amount of calories burnt for the most uh, payoff for AJ is like the things that he's gonna do. And uh, I don't know the yeah. whole the whole seance felt like now this is something that like some like theater kid who has like a lot of uh, you know ideas and creativity about life would do. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just kind of like I look at it as he's trying to impress Devin a little bit. Like he's going over the top because Devin is there, um, and he's but kind like, of dumb. I mean, I know, dumb enough to th- I know that he's dumb, but is he dumb enough to think that his girlfriend's going to be impressed with him torturing an 11-year-old? Yes, because that's who he is. <laughs> he's like, I- I've gotten this far by being myself. Why stop now? <laughs> you know, I-, I feel like it's not too far off from who he is to to torture an 11-year-old. But um, what what I love about seeing Bobby Jr. Um, in this episode interact with AJ is that Bobby Jr. has got to be the only person in the Sopranos who looks at AJ and goes, man, that guy's cool. Right. <laughs> like <laughs> he's, he thinks he's fucking hilarious well, I mean, I think and awesome. At a, like a certain, there's a certain stage of childhood where like the entire goal is to uh, like be mean to your parents and not listen to adults. So in order yeah. to become an adult, you have to stop seeing them as like authority figures. And yeah. uh, I think Bobby is like, well, who's meaner to his own parents than AJ? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like when AJ did that, yeah, the the age, uh racist Asian joke and joined him on it and then uh, <laughs> Yeah. And then Bobby oh, Sen- I- and then Bobby Senior was like, How would you like it if the Orientals <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I I have a I have a, a clip yeah. of that yeah. of that scene. It's called Stop Asian Hate. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, no cactus for me. Cactus. <laughs> You're not Italian if you don't like other jokes. So what, Mike Piazza eats nothing but artichokes? I mean, that's ticked up. <laughs> All right. I like rice. Maybe I'm Chinese. <laughs> ah, so Papa Sun. Well, isn't that Japanese anyway? <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. AJ, 
You too, Bobby. How'd you like if little Oriental kids were making fun of you? <laughs> what, what what I don't like in the early two thousands was it was Oriental considered like the polite term for Asian Americans or or is Bobby Senior just like, dumb? <laughs> no, it was. I mean, that was. I think we learned that you were supposed to say Asian like in the mid to late nineties, but yeah, uh, older <clears throat> older people definitely all. Uh, Anyone over like forty five probably still said Oriental at that point. Yeah, no, they did. They did that for the bit one hundred percent. Where they were like, you know, how would you like it if a little Oriental kid like uh, immediately using the fucking uh, the wrong word? But also, you know, the sentiment there being very sweet and very Bobby. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the seance. That's that's it, this whole. Uh, it was a big you know, swing on the writer's part. I'll say that that was like a big contrivance. Yeah, well, yeah, how, but, how, how old is AJ supposed to be at, at this point? I think he's like 16. I think he's like, he's yeah, like, I, I agree. A... once you're 16, you have a girlfriend, like, or why would you care about an 11 year old? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I agree. I, I it's, yeah, I, I see. He's burning see a lot of car- calories to not make out with Devin Pillsbury. Uh, well, he, he can't make out with Devin Pillsbury. He's got these kids to look after and he wants to. And I think we're overlooking the fact that there is like something that there is a cruelty that um, a lot of 16-year-olds have oh, towards I, younger kids. I believe the cruelty. I just think it's a lazy cruelty. Like, locking him in the garage is a perfect AJ move because it's cruelty, True. but it's also lazy, whereas this yeah. is a very, like, theatrical calorie No, yeah, he had, he had to get a sponge wet to do this bit. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, it's it's a lot of, like, he had to leave well, the room. Well, he's doing improv about the wave and blah, 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 and there's an old yeah. man. Like, he's... He's telling a story like a goddamn. He's on Prairie Home Companion or some shit in there. Uh, it's badass though, and uh, I I also have a clip of the same. We call that we call that ZD Home Companion. What's that? How come he's only talking to you? Because I'm the oldest and closest to the afterlife. Shh. You're a sea captain, Captain Jacobus. What? He says it's a terrible storm. It's raining where you are. Waves are smashing against the boat. Is that Slipknot or Corn? No, dude, that's Mudvayne. Oh, damn it. I knew it was one of those three. Mudvayne rules, dude. Uh, to your point, Vince, like, yeah, he has like a wet sponge ready. Yeah. For this, like, yeah. It's, it, it does feel a little theater kid kind of like he, production. He's yeah. He's done a lot of uh, pre-production on this whole thing. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't think AJ goes that far for a bit. Like I buy him like making Asian jokes about yeah. rice because that's the amount of effort that he would put in. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yes. You you guys are not wrong that this is definitely uh they they've they've got him doing a little bit too much planning to be consistent with the character, but I have to say I do just love watching the uh, I love watching AJ be um a little scumbag. And even even, you know, like despite all the effort that he put into it, it's a great prank. I mean, you know, you got to give him credit for creativity and I say you know, good for him. Also, he's a piece of shit. I mean, what a horrible human being. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, I think there was this thing, though, I think with kids. I remember being a lot more 
blase about death when i was a kid sure um like you know when people like like it was it was a serious thing but it was also like everyone just waiting to see who was going to make the first joke Mm -hmm. and uh and then once that happened it was like okay that's cool it's not real anymore now it's just a fun joke between me and my friends so i i do kind of uh you know i buy kids at school asking sure oh uh, yeah you know saying like oh yeah your mom's gonna turn into a ghost and haunt your haunt your room yeah i believe Um, that part um but i will say about this storyline it does lead into janice uh you know buying first of all like catfishing bobby jr through aol through aol messenger (laughs) and hiding a goddamn ouija board in uh his dresser and like my the thing I wrote down uh, during while this was happening was that Janice has like spiritual Munchausen's disease. You know, like Munchausen's <laughs> by proxy, where like the mom is like gradually like poisoning yeah. her daughter so that she can get the attention. This yes. is like that, except like Janice is trying to make sure everyone around her is like mentally sick enough to yes. like need her. <clears throat> It really is just what it's gaslighting. It's like, yeah. and I hate that we use the term over and over and over again, you know, it, recently. Yeah, I guess that is a better term for what I was trying to say, but I'm going to go with spiritual Munchausen's. I like spiritual Munchausen's <laughs> like like Munch- way better because it's like, uh, it's not the word gaslighting, Yeah, but that's literally what she's doing. I mean, she is gaslighting uh bobby she's gaslighting the kids and that's like, like the thing now where everybody comes up like people come up with one word to describe a thing and then it immediately gets like perverted and misused uh, a thousand right. times whether it's like right. gaslighting or like emotional labor or like i'm so tired like everything like, god all of it's, those yeah. things yeah it's all it's all very annoying how these words get sucked up into the discourse and then they become like nebulous enough that they they can mean so many things like 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 gaslighting is basically if you say someone is accused of gaslighting now it's basically accusing them of like sexual abuse right like you know it's like or like uh, virtue signaling like that was actually like a pretty good uh description of a thing and then it immediately got co-opted by all of the worst people in the world yes exactly apply to virtually anything Right, yeah. To to apply to any anytime anyone says anything that might be construed as liberal or or said that they were you know uh, literally anything liberal at all or le- anything left wing is immediately virtue signaling, and it's the same thing with gaslighting. Like literally anyone, like not even lying, just like if you can claim someone is doing something to be manipulative, now it's virtue. Uh, now it's gaslighting. So it's. It's annoying, but that's what she's doing. She's gaslighting all of them. Yeah, no, she has and, spiritual Munchausen's by proxy, and uh, yes, and she g- go, gets on to aim and, because you know uh, they they like they have that brand which is like spirit the spiritual gangster, which I always think is funny because I can't imagine like the level of mental illness it would require to want to wear a shirt <laughs> that says spiritual gangster. But that is basically what Janice is like. She. Yeah, no, for real. Like mental games with everybody, and uh, you know, very like spiritually, she's using gangster tactics constantly. No, she's like, and she learned from the the best, like the fucking OG spiritual gangster, the Catholic Church, (laughs) and like you know, uh, this idea of a spiritual gangster is like you know, fucking so Protestant. And but really, it's like no, no, no. I re- like gangster, not as in like person who wears cool clothes. 
gangster as in person who murders people. Yeah, like extortion and protection and rackets. Gets, yeah, and gets away with crimes. <laughs> like, real gangster shit. Yeah, um, gangster methods for a, a situation that, like, she all she needs to do is just uh, be patient. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be patient and present with him. That's literally all she has to do. But she'd rather yeah. just, like... <laughs> Yeah, she, she'd rather make a fake account on AOL and like like trick her trick her son into thinking trick his son into thinking there's a ghost in the house or some shit. Yeah, no, she's she honestly she's like, nah, I I I can't sit idly by and not engineer a situation in which I scare the kids half to death. And by the way, like let's remember what her goal is. It's it's to get that dick from Bobby Bacala. Yeah, <laughs> she's traumatizing these children yeah <laughs> she saw him be sad about his dead wife and she just decided that i need that dick right yeah. fucking now and i don't care yeah. how many blooming onions i have to buy or how many <laughs> ouija boards i have to hide in dressers in order to get it so she creates this uh account vlad 666 and <laughs> and uh which i feel talks- like would be an alt-right account yeah. now oh yeah nowadays it would be vlad 1488 blaming it on the, on the russians <laughs> yeah, yeah right no exactly <laughs> she basically she does a putin and yeah. uh she russiagates <laughs> bobby jr yeah this um, is a newark analytica uh running a huge <laughs> scam right now well i mean the uh bobby, bobby jr asked you like who are you and she responds well, was it rising damp or something? Yeah. yeah what the fuck was <laughs> that like She's like created. She's like the AOL version of QAnon. Where she's yes, like, totally. Make the whole like look in this room and see. Like yeah, I don't. She, I don't buy that AJ would burn calories to be cruel, but I absolutely buy that Janice will burn this many calories in yes. order to do it. Yeah, because she is both. Herself. She is both petty and you know has made a Christian contemporary album just to see if it might be a worthwhile grift. Right, yeah. No, she's she honestly, she's a hard fucking worker when it comes to fulfilling whatever petty desire that she currently has. And it's all sad because it's like she's trying to do this as like a backhanded way to get into the mafia. But like if they would just if Tony would make Janice part of his crew, she would be the best earner out of all of them. You you know, I I think you're right about that. I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And I'm pretty sure you're correct. I also, it's like, cause I run against the fact that she's also incredibly lazy and like she lives her life in order to like stay doing lazy people right. shit. But at the same time, so does everybody in the mafia. That's right. literally why you're in the mafia. It's so you get the respect and so you can hang out in front of Satriel's. She's a friend that will burn endless calories, but has, but never in the service of like making money or like doing something that's right. actually productive. Yeah, she's trying to she's she's always trying to find shortcuts and like the the amount of work that she puts in to what she considers to be shortcuts is like insane. Yeah. Um so she says rising damp, which we we don't know what that fucking means, but you're right. That shit is proto QAnon for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I I don't know what that meant. Um and then, of course, you know, uh, Bobby's kids freak out and Bobby calls Janice and uh, Janice comes over to be like, you know, she answers the phone like, oh, nothing. I'm just doing some housework. She's literally smoking weed and listening to music, <laughs> which is like, uh, just I love you, Janice. Like, you're such a piece of shit. Um, and uh, yeah. And then that's when uh, Bobby, you know, 
hits her with the you were right all along. Oh yeah. I don't know what to say, Bobby. I came over this <laughs> afternoon with some pound cake. I saw it. I heard them in his room with that Ouija board. I thought this is not good. But then after the other night, I didn't want to overstep my bounds. It's bad for them. It's unwholesome. So you want me to go up? <laughs> Finally. Teresa Sophia for like an hour. She couldn't even handle the Nancy Drew. It was too mysterious. Did you get anything to eat at least? Can I fix you something? No, it's too much trouble. No, it's not. I'm starving too. Probably something in here. Karen Seedy. It's the last one she made. It's a classic example of like Janice being right for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I mean, she's she's not wrong in yeah, that like no, he needs to eat the fucking Ziti and uh carry yeah. on with his life. But but also it's like it's wild to me that like she seems to recognize the symbolism of eating the Ziti. You know, mm-hmm. like like eating the baked ziti for her is like basically eating his dead wife. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's it's almost like she's been working up towards this exact point. Like mm-hmm. she knew as soon as the first time she pulled out that ziti and he was like, I'm not going to eat that. That's Karen ziti. It's the last one she made. Like she knew at that point, like all I have to do is work him up to the point in which this motherfucker will eat this ziti and he is mine. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know. It's fucking, you know, she did great. She and did a great of, job. She got what she wanted. And all of uh, Bobby's emotions manifest themselves through food. Like, it's like he buries the cake. He eats the ziti. Uh, he can't eat the blooming onion. Like, he does not have an emotion that's not manifested through food somehow. Yeah. No, Bobby, you know, that's how he expresses his feelings. It's through what food he eats. And, uh, you know, he fucking ate the ziti. And now it's like eating Karen's soul. And mm. fucking God, you know, Janice just she gets what she wants in the most disgusting ways. And you just have to be impressed with it. Yeah. She's impressively sociopathic. Um and the final storyline that we're gonna talk about is Tony's. Now, this episode starts out with a dream. Tony has a dream where she's he's in a car. And Gloria's next to him, and Karm is driving, and then fucking Ralphie is in front. His bald head has a caterpillar on it, but then he turns and he sees that Gloria's turned into Svetlana, and that Ralphie's fucking butterfly has, or a caterpillar is turned into like a moth or a butterfly. And then they're playing the radio, and people are screaming and getting shot up, which was wild. Um, <laughs> And then Definitely, he this wakes- has got to be like the biggest swing they've taken on a dream sequence up until this point, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty. It's it, it just it felt I think the most like a dream of most uh, of like all the dream sequences that have been on the Sopranos, like like really kind of like um, trippy and also I don't know banging you over the head with dumb metaphors. Um, and I think they did a good job with it because of the fact that it ends up with Tony immediately 
in Melfi's office talking about the dream and just being like, cut to the chase. What the fuck does any of this mean? And 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 I love it because like I, I, I feel like again, this show is as bored with the the format of you know, Tony and therapy discussing, you know, the plot of the episode. Uh, it's as bored as with it as we are. And so I don't know. I feel like that that really comes through in like Tony's kind of constant complaining about it. And I, I have a clip of uh, him talking about his dream. Okay. Your wife, your mistress, a business associate, you. Well, my wife driving, which if my father were alive, he wouldn't have stood for for two fucking seconds. Men in the front, wives in the back. You like that arrangement? Actually, I think the wife should ride in a little cart behind the car, like in the cartoons. Like behind Noah's Ark, there's a little boat with the skunks. So wives are skunks. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's a fucking joke. Does it have to be like a cancer hospital in here? Jesus Christ, the money I've been dropping in here. I could have bought a fucking Ferrari. Can I just compare my wife to a skunk in peace without you analyzing it? <laughs> I mean, I think it's, uh, it's uh, to be honest, it's fair because I feel like Melfi does this every time. And it's, it's like, her job. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, no, I know. But it's like, you know who he is. Yes. Yeah. You know that wives are skunks, right? Like <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. Why, you say this, like, he's not going to like, as if he's going to learn from anything. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to look like, oh, I never realized the misogyny uh, implicit in calling women skunks. And it's like, no, he's going to be like, I'm joking. They're breaking balls over here. <laughs> like, like he's never once been like introspective on the use of his language towards women. It's always a joke or it's always, you know, like uh, excusable in some way. So she kind of just like, I don't know, she she needles at him in these ways that I feel like uh, are not useful for um, for therapy. But that's just I, my this, this is the only scene where I've I took Tony's side over Dr. Melf. Like, <laughs> yes, it's been four years. $300 yeah. a week. Like, he has a point. Come on. Like, yeah, he does. Probably. At least I would have got a blowjob out of that. What do you mean? Don't get me started. I think you're glossing over the significant accomplishments we've made in here. Oh, my mother would come when she looked at a pot roast. Oh, you're second in the birthing order. Oh, Carmela's driving the car. How fucking interesting. <laughs> Just ripping on all of the previous. Uh, scenes of therapy in the show i know and i love it because i feel like that's how i feel about it like it's it, you know like she's talking about like think of all you've accomplished in here and he's like i learned that my mother comes when she saw a pot roast i learned that uh you know fucking uh basically he just he, he learned that he sees meat and faints you know, it's like he hasn't he hasn't really learned all that much. It, it, it's because the point of the therapy scenes is to get for the audience to get insight into this character. You know, it's not. And so it's almost like a I don't know, it's it almost feels like a meta joke that the writers are doing about the therapy scenes. Maybe that's just me. But uh, I, I fucking I love that he is getting tired of this premise of a, of an entire show. Um, yeah. So 
just uh, Tony speaks with Sack and Carmine um, about the HUD split. Oh, uh, I, so yeah. So then he he's he's fighting with New York about the HUD split, which is partly like his um, backhanded way of sort of blaming them for killing Ralphie so that he doesn't get blamed for it. Um, right. But also, like, I like that this this ends with him going to Florida to have, like, a sit-down with Carmine Jr., which, shows, which just goes to show that, like, useless meetings also happen in the mob world. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I do love that. I love that, like, you know, no matter what line of business you're in, you know, whether it's advertising or you're working in the mafia, you're going to have to fucking go to long boring yeah. like i, I, I gotta go could... all the way to florida to see carmine jr's son to see if he can convince his dad uh to do a thing that tony doesn't actually want him to do in the first place because his whole right. goal was to create a crisis uh in the first place yeah yeah and uh and not only that but like you're not just meeting with anybody you're meeting with maybe the dumbest motherfucker who's ever walked the earth <laughs> in see-through socks like like Little Carmine is such a gift to the Sopranos. And (laughs) I I don't remember if this is the first time we're seeing him, but he has one of the greatest. You know what he is? He's a walking malapropism corner on this show you know what i mean like yeah. like not, not every... to mention the dunning kruger effect in action where he's, he's he gives you that like impression of confidence and and like he knows what he's talking about and then he opens yeah. his mouth and he's clearly a complete moron i have no way of knowing what kind of advice he's getting from johnny johnny's always usually a voice of moderation me and him we get along good so all due respect let's not jump in and blame johnny true john's a pragmatist but he's also a greedy motherfucker. Lives above his head a little. I am reminded of Louis the whatever's finance minister. Does something. He built the chateau. Nicole and I saw it when we went to Paris. It even outshone Versailles, where the king lived. In the end, Louis clapped him in irons. Just, just amazing. Lewis the whatever's finance minister, the something. It's, it's like that shit is so fucking funny and so he perfect. Like, yeah. He read it in some sort of like laws of power book. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's getting it mixed up probably with yeah. like fucking my, man in the iron mask. Like this dude. Yeah. I have a I have an exclamation explanation of this from the Wikipedia page, but I know he must have oh. gotten this from some sort of movie or show where they talked about it. But uh mm-hmm. Uh, Little Carmine puzzles Tony with some talk about Louis the whatever's finance minister, the something, who built the chateau grander than the king's but ended up in prison. Uh, This is probably a uh, reference for Nicolas Fouquet, Fouquet, the superintendent of finances for King Louis XIV, who built the famous Chateau de Vaux-le-Vicomte, but was later arrested by the king. That's that. So that's what he's talking about specifically. Like that. Like you just gotta wonder where he saw it because you know it's from a fucking movie right or a tv show yeah. and because that's that's what you know like he to me is the ultimate sopranos character someone who truly is 
only in the mafia because number one, he's a fail son and become, because number two, he really likes fucking, uh, like television and movie entertainment. And <laughs> he's like, you know, of all the characters on TV, these are the most badass ones. You know, it was like <laughs> for him, it was, you know, either that or, you know, becoming a, a, a fucking fireman or like a Marvel fucking superhero. <laughs> like his, his ass is, is just peak stupid and uh and i love it um but yeah um in this episode vic the appraiser gets beat up by both uh new york and new jersey which i appreciate he just wants to decide how much some houses cost and maybe make a little money on the side vic Vic the appraiser sounds like a nickname but it's just his name i love it (laughs) yes i I, that's my favorite part about him is like it's vic the appraiser and it's like no he's like literally a guy who appraises. (laughs) i just want to appraise some houses (laughs) it's it's so amazing that they gave him a mafia nickname accidentally and it's just (laughs) his actual job oh man hey it's Vinny the podcaster um, it's also clear that nobody knows exactly what appraising is. No, they but, don't know. They, they, <laughs> when, they, when they beat him up, they're like, get your appraising shit, start appraising. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows what exactly what he does. Yeah, and, and they're not sure what he's supposed to do for yeah. them or yeah. what he is doing for the other family, but they want to make sure it's done for them too. Just get your appraising shit and start appraising. And it's like, he could do that. <laughs> so it's so brilliant. Uh, so they just end up beating up this civilian twice. Um, and uh, meanwhile, uh, in Tony's second scene with Melfi, um, you know, he, he finally does it. He pulls the trigger. He breaks yeah. up all to, with Melfi. All to make himself feel better about... It's weird because he has some self-awareness where he's like trying to tell Melfi that he has uh, dumped Fetlana, but then halfway through he decides to come clean and be like, no, actually she jumped me. But then he yeah. still goes through with the part where he has to feel better about himself by dumping Melfi. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Cause it's like, um, it's so obvious what he's doing here. You know, he's like, it, we've just come from a scene in which like Svetlana, which I love by the way, Svetlana gets a brooch that <laughs> Tony gives to every girl that he breaks up with. And Svetlana basically says like, you didn't need to do this. We're not breaking up. I don't want to fuck you anymore. <laughs> And then, and then she, she's like, oh, Tony says, you know, you can keep the brooch, please. I want you to have it. And he's like, and she's like, yeah, no, I'll keep it. No, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to sell yeah. this shit. Yeah. Like, a, a, like Tony's masculinity is fucking shrunk down to a little nub and he has nothing left to do than to, you know, take it out on another woman he couldn't in his just life. be happy that he fucked the one-legged nurse nurse's friend he has to yeah get, be happy you fucked her and you get out like scot-free like you don't have yeah. to worry because usually the reason you have the brooch and shit is because like women want to fucking stay with you and you have to like fucking you know you you really have to like beat him off with a stick almost literally like with fucking gloria or with uh, even with like victoria who was just like hound or what's her name valentina who's like hounding him you know mm-hmm. like this is the one situation where you're getting what you want which is a girl who's you're gonna fuck once and is gonna be like okay i'm done with you and uh instead he just like he takes it as a slight against his masculinity and yeah as he's explaining to melfi 
how he broke up with her, he fucking just he comes clean. And I have a I have a clip of that. You know what? This is all bullshit. It was she who gave me my walking papers. You believe that? What I meant was You know why she didn't want to see me anymore? She said that I was high maintenance. And this is after all the time and all the money and all the fucking Prozac and all the fucking cocksucking motherfucking dream interpretations. And she said she didn't want to prop me up. And it's from abroad that walks around on crutches half the time. (laughs) Nice, huh? Do you agree with her characterization of you? I'm a miserable prick. I've said it since day one. And you're no longer interested in changing, in finding a way out. No, I guess not. I'm sorry. I don't want to do this anymore. And you could say that I'm running away, but I've been here longer than I ever thought I'd stay, longer than anybody ever thought I'd stay. And you know what? I get no appreciation for. You've shown a lot of courage. (laughs) I commend you on that. Well, thank you for the commendation and adios. And then he's gone. He's out of her he's, life. He's gone. Melfi does stops being a character. Two more seasons. Uh, no <laughs> Melfi at all. I, I assume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you assume correctly. I'm sure. Um, yeah. I also I do love the fact that he's even more uh, offended by Svetlana rejecting him because of the fact that not only is she abroad, but she's abroad with one leg. Who said that I would have to prop, uh, uh, that she would have to prop me up. And I just, I love that. I, I love that so much. She, he is just like, you're a cripple and you should love me because you are weak and I am strong. It's just, uh, fucking Tony, you magnificent demon. I like how he, he keeps shitting on the dream interpretations, but like, he's the one who keeps bringing it up. Yeah. The- yeah. You can talk about whatever you want in here, man. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, he's he he knows that like at the end of the day this is purely based on the fact that like he has dug himself into multiple holes with his temper um, you know, in this season and he needs someone to blame for that and blame for the fact that he feels like less of a man and nothing makes him feel less like a man than going to therapy, you know? So, yeah, he uses this as a, you know, a way to kind of like you know, get some agency back, you know, have some like sovereignty over his body and his mind. Yeah. Um, and mostly so that he can be mean to a woman uh, by, uh, you know, b- because another woman rejected him. And uh, and yeah, and that is uh, that's the episode. Um, I would say if I had to pick a favorite scene, um, it would probably be Little Carmine. Uh, because I love that dumb motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> Johan, do you have a, a favorite scene um, in this? Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's Little Carmine adjacent, uh, where mm-hmm. where Tony, uh, to, it, it, they're in Miami, and it's Tony, Beansy, and Little Carmine in the table with the ladies around. Yeah. They're like <laughs> being entertained, and the scene is one of, one of the ladies sharing a story about. She worked as a Minnie Mouse <laughs> at Disneyland and was trying to smoke, and someone took a picture of her. Like, it's, I just like that. Like she's like that, that's like when they're entertaining guests. That's her go-to story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she worked as Minnie Mouse. I also yeah, like the yeah. idea that Beansy has like this Florida trash whore as a stepdaughter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of perfect Florida too because she's just so trashy that like her her yeah her one fucking 
contribution to the conversation is the fact that like she wanted to smoke and she took out her fucking Minnie Mouse <laughs> fucking head. It's and, Disney. Uh, so, it's Disney adjacent somehow. Like everything. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, that is that's great. Vince, do you have a, a favorite? Yeah, I mean, I gotta go. Well, uh, I, I'm gonna. I can't choose. I really. I enjoyed the idea that AJ, the new metalhead, was uh, putting on Coldplay to make out with Devin Pillsbury. Um, oh yeah, but that I also was wild. Yeah, but um, probably Janice uh, saying how much the sides cost at, uh, yeah. at Outback. That's pretty hard to beat. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. Gotta love that Outback Steakhouse. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't really have a least favorite. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, it was all it was all fine to me. I thought it was all very standard. You know, um, maybe, least, I mean, I least don't know. favorite. I didn't I didn't love AJ's uh, AJ's yeah. seance really. I just I don't know. It's fine. I just didn't. I don't entirely buy it, but it's fine. Yeah, I don't know if it counts as least favorite, but I don't know. I that line where Janice uh, says, "What is it? Uh, narcissism is when they." <laughs> Uh, yeah, when they when they, we think that they care about us or yeah, what are thinking about us? Yeah, I yeah. mean credit credit to whoever plays Janice, like that that actress is is incredible. Oh, how, she's amazing. She's incredible. Like Jesus Christ, how manipulative! Yeah, she <laughs> plays that character so well, and it's like it it can't be stated enough that like she did it so well that I don't li- like. I see that face and I get angry. It, like it's, like, it's like the actress that played the the lady that killed Selena. Yes, yes, Milan, exactly. It's like yeah. I don't want to see that actress anymore. It's yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. It just makes you so mad because they do, she she does such a good job at playing the person who killed Selena that you're just like, that's that actress is the person who killed Selena. <laughs> it's on yeah. site when I see her. It's on site. It's, <laughs> if I if I ever see you at a fucking casting call, it's on site. Um, yeah, and. Uh, Overall, uh, if I had to rate this episode, you guys, I think, well, let me do some quick math here. Let's see, five, carry the three, divided by pi. Uh, I would give it a B plus. All right. Yeah. Vince, what would you give it? Uh, I give it, uh, ooh, that's a tough one. Let me think about this. You know, a lot of good, uh, only a little bit of bad. Yeah, I'm going to go solid B plus. All right, all right, Johan. If you had to rate this episode with a letter grade, uh, what would you give it? Well, it's it's a strong performance from Janice, uh, and I like the uh, I like Little Carmine. Yeah, uh, the introduction of Little Carmine. So, yeah, I think it's a solid B plus. Solid B plus. All right, solid B pluses all around, and you know what? Solid A plus 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 episode. Of the world's only Sopranos podcast, Pod Yourself a Gun. Mm-hmm. Johan Miranda, thank you so much for coming on uh, the podcast. Where yeah, can uh, where can people find you on uh, the internet? Uh, 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 follow me on uh, 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 Twitter or Instagram at Johan Comedy. Yeah, at Johan Comedy, Twitter or Instagram. And also, once again, you can see him in the Dangerous World of Comedy on Netflix. Thank you guys so much. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Vince, we have. Oh yeah, three... we got to remind people that next week we're going to be reading mail. Ba- <laughs> oh no, you already did this at the beginning of the show for some reason. <laughs> Even though this would be a perfectly logical place to say I that. I am assuming that people <laughs> bow out of the episode thirty minutes in after the Bada B stories. They go, "That's the episode," and sure. then they leave. And I want to make sure that they all hear it. 
but yes, uh, we we will be having the mailbag episode next week. It's a two-parter, one for free, one on Patreon.com. Uh, and speaking of Patreon, we have three new pod yourself a Ooh. shout out people. You, to you do. didn't preload these, right? So I got to come up with. I got to really. Uh, yeah, put on my got, nickname gotta, given shoes and do it on the fly. I'm doing it you live. You got to do this. We're doing it live. You're doing it right off the top. Uh, so the first uh, eight dollar patron is Sarah Farnbauch. Sarah Farnbauch, the farm farm. But we're gonna. I call her the the barn owl. That's what we call her. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Sarah, the barn owl, Farnbauch. Yeah, barn owl. Uh, hey, it's, it's barn owls coming over here. Yeah, there, there she is. Yeah, that's good. You can't uh, even hear her wings beating because <laughs> that would scare so, the mice away when she tries to eat them. Uh, don't scare the mice. We got Sarah the Farnbach. Uh, I forgot what her name was. Barnell. Farn- yeah, that's right. Barnell. Um, okay, so next we have uh, Scott Graybell. Oh, Graybell. Scott, grab him or, by or, the pussy. We call him, we call him Drumpf. We call him what? Drumpf. Uh, nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. You get him uh, an old Donald Trump nickname. Yeah, Kofefe Grable. Hey, Kofefe <laughs> Grable over here. Always trying to grab women by the pussy with the Cheeto hands. <laughs> oh, gotta love good Trump jokes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And finally, we have Doc Holland. Oh, what a good name. We got old Doc Holiday. He's, uh, he's, nice. he's, he's your Huckleberry. We'll call him Huckleberry. That's. Oh, uh, I like oh, it. Huckleberry Holland. It's interesting. I thought you had it at uh, at uh, what'd you call him? Doc Holiday. That was. Very oh, but that's good. too close to his regular name. We got to give him. A I nickname. guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I like your your formula. I get it now. You start with something where it's obvious, and then you do uh, uh you know uh you kind of like you you do an extra you go an extra layer to get that nickname. Yeah, I do the what's his name Jeff what's his face in uh, Independence Day. Uh, yeah. Goldblum. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I gold you get, that shit. You gold bloom that shit to eventually get to the word virus, and you're that's just right. like, oh fuck, that's wild. Um, that's patreon.com slash frotcast. F-R-O-T-C-A-S-T. Eight dollar tiers, pod yourself a shout out. And also, uh, for anyone in the eight dollar tier or above, um, you know, if you uh send in a question or uh a voicemail, um, we will play it, uh, unless, of course, literally all of you do it, in which case it, it's going to take a long time. So maybe. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, patreon.com slash frogcast, frogcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, concerns, which we will try to get to answering next week. Uh, Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everybody. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time. Don't stop believing. Don't stop. Yeah. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.